Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flying High podcast with Paul Thompson. I'm Paul Thompson, and I'm a commercial finance broker specializing in funding business owners and small businesses across the UK and beyond. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Tammy Heels. Tammy had a successful career in design and branding, working with some incredibly well-known names. Then four years ago, Tammy took the plunge and decided to start a business named after her cat, of all things. Crazy cat or branding genius? I'll let you decide. Tammy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me, Paul. I'm excited for this conversation. Tell me about those early days, Tammy. How did the cat come out of the shadows? (laughs) What a great question. (laughs) So... Yeah, absolutely. Like you were saying, I had, um, I enjoyed a career in the corporate world for a good kind of 12 years, I think, after university. Um, I graduated straight into the 2008 recession, which was a brilliant time to be going into the business world or into the corporate world. And I kind of fell into a job in design after always being quite creative, but not really knowing what direction I wanted to take. I did animation at uni. So it was kind of along the same creative lines but not really and then as my career progressed it literally got to the point where we were working with freelancers within the corporate world more and more frequently and it occurred to me that if I wanted to save to buy a house in the economy that we were in for me and my partner it was going to be a bit of a slog it would probably involve either job hopping to increase our salaries in a way that meant that we could actually save each month or could I potentially take these skills and follow in the footsteps of other freelancers and earn some money on the side by using my skills for other businesses? So I actually set up my business with the intent of and the goal of hitting um, enough for a house deposit within about five years. And actually, the business just took off. We bought our house within the first year of the business being up and running, which was amazing. With a small deposit, I will add, it's not like it was suddenly thousands and we're putting down like 50%. We got a 5% mortgage. But from that point, I realized how much I enjoyed and how much joy I got from working with my own clients and in my own way and with this variety of industries as opposed to my everyday corporate role and that kind of sparked the idea that actually this could be more than just a bit of money on the side and could actually transform into a business and now we're here four years later and I run two businesses (laughs) because why run one when you can run two? (laughs) Absolutely yeah or three or four I don't know how many businesses Branson's got going now but um, you're on the way there (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe maybe we'll leave that for next year we'll leave like flying to space for yeah maybe another year or so (laughs) yeah okay well give me a call when you're ready to do that and we'll find the money for you I'll come up with the name come up with a cat themed name for the rocket (laughs) space cats (laughs) (laughs) so it must have been quite difficult then um apart from the fact that you're working a full-time job and then running a business on the side. You've also got to put on one hat um, to go and work for somebody and the obedient do-as-you-told hat, potentially. I don't know if you did do as you're told, but you know most employees have to do that to a certain extent. And then when you're working for yourself, it's a very different role and you get a lot more out of it. Dolly Alderton, um, who I read quite a bit of, refers to creative monogamy 
and you know just being focused on a single task at a time how did you cope with that whole dichotomy of doing one thing and then doing something that's same but very very different yeah that's a really good question and it's a really interesting one to explore because when I was working full-time um, and managing the business on the side um, I'm not going to say it was easy it really wasn't I was working I was working ridiculous hours in my nature and by my nature, I've always been someone that tends to put in more hours than is possibly expected. Um, partly because I wanted to, in my young years, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to be the best at what I was doing. And then as I grew, it was because I could identify the areas where I could help with my unique set of skills more. And that often means that you have to do your day job in air quotes and then outside of your job role anything else is kind of in addition to that so anything that I wanted to push from an innovation point of view within the business or streamlining or bringing in new work that we were outsourcing as a corporate to try and save the bigger business money all of that kind of had to be done outside of your working hours or in addition to your base level of work and then I kind of carried that mentality across when I was doing my business as well, because exactly like you were saying, all of a sudden you're thrown from being an employee to being an entrepreneur. And that's a very different mindset. Um, I'm currently reading the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And I think that he talks about that brilliantly, about having those different personalities that are required. That's, yeah, that's very much the book that changed my life. It's incredible. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to carve out time each day. I only read like 10 pages or a chapter every day, but it means that that little commitment helps me to get through the pile of business books that I have. But that was a really interesting concept because I found it quite difficult at first to switch between being an employee during the day and doing as I was told effectively with the work that I was given, the briefs that I was given, the confidence and knowledge of being able to push back on those briefs. And then in the evenings, I was managing the work from a different perspective. So instead of feeling that confidence of pushing back and saying, no, you need to give me a better brief, it was kind of like, oh, you're a client so whatever you say thankfully I've learned from that but at the time it was it felt like there was so much more work and less of the stuff that I loved but I still enjoyed the process of being in control of the situation I guess and now it's having that balance it took me I think it was two and a half years that I was running my my business alongside my job so yeah it got to the point where I was working kind of 80 90 hours a week or more or less but still these huge amounts of hours I was taking my laptop into work to do client calls on my lunch break or admin on my lunch break I was dictating blog posts in my car on my commute on the way home I was then getting home, working until 10 or 11 at night and then cooking dinner and hanging out with my other half, absolutely exhausted, and then doing it all over the weekends as well. And it got to the point where I realized that it, having a business really changed me fundamentally in a confidence level. And I realized how much more satisfaction and joy I got from having that role as a business owner alongside doing my own creative work, as opposed to being another member of a bigger corporation like it didn't quite scratch that itch that I had anymore in the same way and the variety I was fortunate that the big companies that I used to work for there was a lot of variety within my day so that was 
fairly easy to translate through to the variety that I get with the clients that I work outside of that day job. So there were similarities that helped set me up for success, but there was also a lot that I learned from that definitely changed the way that I approached it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that you were more satisfied being self-employed because you're doing all those different things? Or do you think that actually being employed was just making you unhappy because you were just part of a bigger machine? Um, I can, I'm just visualising the Charlie Chaplin movie with the with the cogs and things going. And that whole just the grind of just doing the same thing day after day. Do you think that was making you unhappy without you realising it? And actually you're a person that needs to be a bit more stretched or do you think that's everybody? That's a brilliant question because I think that it comes in waves. I think that there are definite kind of seasons or waves that we experience it both as employees and as entrepreneurs. I think that there have been times that I can reflect on my corporate career when there were times I really, really loved my job and I really enjoyed it. I knew what my space was. I knew what my place was and I could leave the work at work if I wanted to. And then there were other times where it felt like such a grind and it was difficult and there were outside circumstances like I had quite, I unfortunately had quite a negative experience with a couple of managers um, to the point where it was kind of workplace bullying. There was a lot of toxicity going on. It really impacted my, my mental health, my physical health and just generally my love of what I do. But then on the flip side of that, as an as a business owner, there have been times that I absolutely love what I do. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Everything flows. Everything feels great. And then there are times when I'm sat there at my desk with my head in my hands going, what are you doing? Like the grind and, oh, my goodness, where am I going to, what What am I going to do next? I need to wear 16 different hats. I need to get my accounts done. I need to put out social content and be chipper and cheery and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I think my biggest lesson was learning to be flexible with my business that allows me to have space when I need it, but also allows me to really drive that creative energy when I have it. And I don't feel that working a restrictive nine to five was ever going to work for me because my creative hours are between like three in the afternoon and midnight. Like that's kind of how I can find my balance. And I think it's going to get better after COVID um, with people having that flexibility working from home and things like that. But yeah, I feel like it was more the restrictiveness of a job and just making sure I didn't carry that restrictiveness to be self-imposed in my business. Yeah, and I think that um, that freedom is going to is going to change for employees as well. But the bullying thing maybe isn't. Bosses aren't necessarily setting out to be bullies, but people some people are bullies clearly, and some people are just put into a role that they're maybe not confident enough to deal with, and that's how it comes out. Which isn't diminishing your experience in any way. You can you can see that getting free of that is um, something that can benefit people an awful lot. Absolutely. I also think that there's a huge amount that can be said for the space that you're in. So I can be an incredibly resilient person. I can be incredibly blunt. I'm very to the point when it comes to, like, it's very much work first and then we can have the flowery conversation afterwards. And that was something that I had reflected back to me repeatedly throughout my corporate career because it was like, let's get shit done. Then we can have those casual conversations afterwards for the balance. But 
but that doesn't mean that my approach is going to be someone else's approach. So it could just be that it's not necessarily, I mean, in my experience, I know that it was bullying. It was very specific. It was very personal. It was horrific. I never wish that experience on others. But I do feel that what you were saying around them not having the confidence in their role, it could be they lack confidence. It could be that they're going through personal experience and it's just reflecting it and putting it out into the world. It could be that you're going through something big in your personal life. So you're more sensitive than you would be usually. It could be you're only communicating through emails because we don't have enough fonts to imply when we're being sarcastic or funny or making a joke. And I think that there is, this is why communication is so important. And I also feel that as a business owner, particularly at the moment where I'm going through the process of trying to find people to help support my business as kind of like team members, it's a really interesting process to be on the other side of going who fits and reflects with my values as opposed to a corporate where it's like, okay, so we just need someone to fill this role. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. And I think as a small business owner, the you know, uh, big businesses always have culture statements and mission statements, this, that, and the other. And it's all locked in a business owner's head a lot of the time with a small business. It's not the sort of thing that always gets written down because you don't always identify it. But we certainly have a, a culture, but I couldn't, I can't codify it. But I know what it is. And the team very much reflects that. But yeah, we've taken on people who haven't fitted into that because defining it to somebody else can be difficult sometimes. Well, this is it. Your culture within your business, no matter how big or small your business is, is a part of your brand experience. It's part of what you're building as a business and as a brand. And that might just be you to start with. But always keep in mind that if you want your business to be successful, which of course you do, that's why you're doing it, then you need to be thinking about what you want your business to be in the future. And having a a statement or an understanding of the culture that you want to have, the do's, the don'ts, often it's easier to start with the don'ts, like you don't want someone who does this, you don't like that, you don't want to have this coming across, because then you can kind of rule out and focus on the positives. But by our nature, I think that it's easier to like rule things out first before we move into what we do want. But having that cultural statement and that cultural understanding of what you want your brand to be internally will have an impact on how that brand is perceived externally. So that when you do start growing your team, when you do start working with others, even if you're outsourcing your accounts, you still want someone that reflects your business and how you want your business and your brand to grow in the future. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, yeah, coming from a branding point of view, from, you know, for me, from a finance point of view, I don't consider all of that stuff as branding, but it absolutely is. Yeah, there's a lot more to branding than just the visuals. And this is part of, this is part of the challenge. Funny enough, it's part of the challenge that I've had both as an employee and as an entrepreneur, because as an employee, you're trying to explain your job role and the importance that it has with the impact that it has to this massive chain of other teams departments impacts influences everything else that's going on with the business you're a very small part of that whereas when you're an entrepreneur when you're a business owner you are your business you are being hired for your expertise which is what you're told in the corporate world but then you're expected to conform whereas in the business world you're hired for your expertise and you can act and lead others from that perspective of being an expert and I think that that's one of the biggest changes between being an employee and a business owner is stepping into that role and appreciating the fact that you charge what you charge you do what you do this is where you excel and they're hiring you for that they're not hiring hiring you to work for them they're hiring with you to 
fill that skill gap that they don't have. And yeah, that's where the confidence kind of comes in. Yeah. We had a, an apprentice some years ago who came back from college one day and they did that sort of half day release. Uh, and he came back one day and um, they'd learned that morning that the customer is always right. So we spent the afternoon going through examples of when the customer's not right and has to be corrected <laughs> in a nice way. Yeah, absolutely. But boundaries are super important. This is something that absolutely, I'm so passionate about boundaries because I didn't have them for so long and it had such an impact. I honestly felt like looking back and after doing a lot of business education and a lot of work on who I am as a business owner and where I want to be and now owning multiple businesses, looking back and reflecting, I left my corporate job for a job that I created for myself. I didn't have a business at that stage. I just called it a business, but it felt like a job. It was another grind. Whereas now I'm moving and transitioning from that and trying to set up things that will allow the business to flourish with or without me so that in the future, I can choose how much involvement I want to have, how it goes and how I want that business to scale and be successful. Totally. So you've been read, you've read quite a lot of the E-Myth then already oh yes it's my book at the moment <laughs> yeah it's interesting because it really helps to almost quantify these ideas that I've had but I, I haven't really appreciated how to articulate them but yeah it's interesting because the lessons that I've learned from how I started up Shadow Cat which is my brand consultancy my first business and the way that I'm setting up my newest business so podcast media the lessons that I've learned between the two have already meant that it feels easier and it feels more aligned and it feels so much more exciting and less of a oh my goodness how am I going to manage this where is this going to go what am I going to do if this happens because I've already preempted that because I've learned those lessons from my previous business yeah so going back a little bit then you spend two and a half years juggling both things doing 80 90 hours a week you're still alive which is an achievement well done thank you (laughs) so what I'm thinking is you set up as a freelancer effectively at that point but now you're a business owner so at some point you stopped being a freelancer plus employee maybe you became a full-time freelancer I'm not sure maybe you were a business owner then but how did that it's kind of a, a spectrum I think of going from one one thing to another thing and it's a gradual process in your cases. There wasn't a end point, this finishes, this starts, which there is with some people. It's a sort of gradual thing. Did you reduce your hours at work? Did you, at day job, old job, did you suddenly just have a tipping point where the freelancing was making enough money for you to just cut them out of your life? How did all that that transition work? I'm more than happy to explain because it's this is something that I love because every time I ask someone else this question, it's like, well, I didn't start a business in the traditional way and I didn't start a business in the traditional way either. So the way that it went for me was I created my job um, I created my job. I created my my business, which, like you were saying, was more kind of a freelance vibe that I had going on alongside my corporate. And then I had quite a difficult couple of years in my corporate job. We were under the threat of restructure for the whole of those two and a half years. Um, there were people being made redundant left, right and centre. I wasn't one of them. Um, I don't know whether that was a good or a bad thing, but it is what it is. My job was then relocated. So I suddenly had an extra kind of 45 minute commute in the morning. So 
the corporate job was making it very easy for me to go I want this business to pick up so that I can leave um it's not like I was having having a ball at my corporate job and then having a great time in the evenings with my work so after we had got through that first year and we put the deposit and bought our house and I realized that actually there was a possibility that this could in the future be my full-time career that's when I started to try and look at okay so how much money do I want to be making each month I did the calculation the very in-depth calculation of how much am I bringing home at the moment I'll make that forgetting about tax forgetting about insurances (laughs) additional business costs all the rest of it but that was kind of the goal at the time. And then as time went on, I actually started niching and specializing within my business. So when I started, I was just a generic graphic designer. I would help with anything and everything because I love design. I've got experience in print and digital. I just kind of anything that was coming up, I would take. And during that period where I was like, actually, if I want this to be my my always, my always work, What is it do I want to fill my days with? Which is when I started to specialize first into logo design and then into branding in particular. And then that's now progressed to more of the strategy side and education as opposed to just doing the visuals. So by the time I was looking at leaving my job, I had quite a strong idea of where I wanted to be what I wanted to be doing. I've repositioned myself as a brand designer, so as a specialist. And that's when it really started to feel more like a business and less of freelance because I was taking more of that leadership role within what I was doing as an expert as opposed to a serving role of whatever you want, I'll do. And then I worked with, it was the space of three months, the actual transition that went very quickly. So I worked with a business coach. I had a discovery call with her and she was like, how much are you charging talked her through it and she was like you need to double your prices I was like sure I'll double my prices that's fine I've got a day job so if this doesn't work out I have that safety net that I can flex and if it does work out great so I doubled my prices from something ridiculous like 250 pounds to 500 pounds and then I got two clients in the week that didn't bat an eyelid and I was like oh okay there's something to this So I went back and worked with this business coach again, because obviously, you know, she got me really good results. She's now one of my best friends, which is wonderful. But I worked with her as a coach and redefined my business and really stepped into that role with my pricing, my packages, getting my finances, including tax and costs and all the rest of that. So it felt more like not only did I have the mindset of the business owner, but I also had the services of a business owner. And then I signed my two biggest clients, uh, which was a 10k my big token 10k month of invoicing not cash uh just to clarify (laughs) not brown envelopes yeah (laughs) it was payment plans but it was wonderful and it gave me that confidence of going yeah you can absolutely do this at the same time at my day job I had this little inkling that they were trying to push me out of the business and was actually in touch with a employee specialist solicitor to find out what I should do if something should happen things started to happen at work and unfortunately it got to the point where I handed in my notice after a very stressful couple of weeks where it just got to the point where it's like I am going to break if I don't choose and I either need to choose that safety net and stick with the corporate and give myself some time to rest or I need to just kind of stick two fingers up to them politely don't burn bridges but in this situation it was like I don't think I can continue so I quit 
I didn't have savings. I didn't have a safety net. I had planned to leave six months later, but we weren't quite there. But these two clients had really helped boost this confidence for me. So it was just kind of this whole mess of stuff all happening at once that I could never have predicted. I could never have planned for. And then six months later, COVID hit. So you know what? It's just things happen the way that they happen. And that conversation where people are like, I don't know if I'm ready to leave my job. I wasn't ready to leave my job. And it was a stressful year. But you make it through because you you make that choice. Even if that choice is made for you, you then have that choice as to what you do next. Now it's just flourishing in comparison to where it was a year ago. And I'm so much happier than I was compared to two years ago when I was in this corporate drain that was just destroying me. Yeah, I think um, at some point you realise that, yeah, you're on the wrong train. I had this conversation with Chris in a previous episode that if you once you realize you're on the wrong train and you're going in the wrong direction the longer you stay on it the further from where you want to be you're going to end up and it escalates it escalates as well yeah but there's two I think there are two possible options then there's the option that I need to get off this train quickly but there's the option that most people take is well I'll stay on this train and see where it goes if it's the wrong train it's going it's going to be the wrong place that you end up at the sooner people realize that I think the better yeah it's really tricky because it is such the thing is the decision is made in a moment like if you're listening to this and you're like I know that I'm on the wrong train it's like you've already made up your mind you just now need to dictate the time scales and what your parameters are for when you're gonna hop off on a station and get the train back like to continue the analogy <laughs> like the decision's already made it's just yeah it's just you need to follow through with okay so what's the plan next yeah totally and going back to the book thing Stephen Covey I don't know if you've read Seven Habits no I'll add it to the list <laughs> that's a good one to, after um, after the myth yeah <laughs> start with the end in mind so set out there decide where you're going to be in the end so what your finished business looks like what your life is going to look like all of these things and then think well how am I going to get there is going back to the train analogy is this train taking me there or is it taking me further away from there? And if you're unhappy and stressed and be- being bullied, then this train isn't going in the right direction. So yeah, get off at the next station. And it might be another corporate job for a while. It might be grow your confidence, but it might be you've got this fantastic idea. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And like the best piece of advice that I can offer to anyone is like, you can always change it. Like if you make a decision and you decide that you're going to start a business and then it doesn't work out because you've realized that it's the wrong stage, it's the wrong time, it's the wrong business, because often we don't know what we want to do until we're doing it, then it's okay to change your mind. Like that's fine. If you then go back for a corporate job, if you then go and get a part-time job, if you then decide to jack it all in and start a different business, like you can always change your mind. Nothing's set in stone. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and it's a learning experience. And the only negative is if you don't learn anything from it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you let your pride get in the way, no one's going to care if you suddenly start a business that doesn't work out and you've got to go to a job. That's just your pride that is going to get in your way of stopping you from doing that. And honestly, is it worth it? Like when it's your happiness versus short-term pride is tough, but you can do it. So, yeah, absolutely. So going back to my day job, um, the funding aspect finance. So starting out freelancing and with your plan to buy a house, I'm guessing that the business was totally bootstrapped and you just, it was more taking out than it was investing. And then at some point it became a business. So did your mindset about investment 
about how to finance a business change at that point? Or have you still got that Yorkshire thing of, you know, not spending any money uh, that I still have because I'm a Yorkshireman through and through? (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting when I reflect back on um, my financial journey with both the business and personally, because it's come leaps and bounds in the time that I've run the business. So initially, yes, it was mostly bootstrapped. I did get a wonderful um, encouragement injection from my from the mothership. So from my mum, she um, helped me buy my own laptop because we didn't actually have equipment at home. I'd have to use work equipment, which obviously isn't ideal because various reasons. But um, Yeah, so she loaned me the money to be able to get a a MacBook, which is the one that I still have now. Other than that, I'm very fortunate in the fact that one of the biggest expenses or one of the potential biggest expenses is design within business. And hey, I had that covered. (laughs) It came in handy, understanding marketing, understanding branding, understanding um, copywriting and things like that. So that kind of helped when it came to bootstrapping quite significantly. When I was at my corporate job, I would say I was much more keen to throw money at things than I was later. So after that first year of saving and squirreling away to try and get the money for um, the house deposit, um, after that, like I did pay and invest in things like coaches. I did pay and invest in courses. I invested in an accountant because I did not want to do my taxes or my bookkeeping or anything to do with money. Um, which is both a blessing and a curse because it was great that it got handled for me. My accountant is fantastic. He's still my accountant now. But at the same time, I really distanced myself from the responsibility of looking at my finances, which then later on when it became my business and my sole source of income was kind of a detriment because I didn't understand the financial health of my business. And obviously with COVID hitting, I didn't have any savings. I didn't have any backup. It was a very stressful time financially. And then in the last year, I'm going to pitch another book which was Profit First by Mike not Wachowski but (laughs) my Mike Profit First was a wonderful book for me and that helped me not only to understand how to make my business profitable by taking the profit first Mike does what it says on the tin bit of a Ron's deal But also it's helped me to future-proof my business from the fact that now I have little pockets of savings for equipment in the future should anything suddenly go fizz bang and it's done or little bits of savings for my tax and actually paying myself a salary rather than going, oh God, how much am I overdrawn by? I'll, I'll take that as my wage. So now I feel like I've really, particularly this year in 2021, I've made that transition from being a business owner who was just like, I don't want to look at my finances to a business owner who's like, right, my finances are the crux of this business. And now I'm trying to heal that money, that relationship that I have with money where all growing up, I've just been like, eh, there's always more, but there's not never enough. It was kind of very, very weird duality. There's always enough when you want something and there's never enough when you need something. <laughs> very true. And we go through like we go through all this school, university, we learn to animate, we learn to save the world. We don't learn anything about finance. We don't learn how to balance our books, how to read a set of accounts. And it is it is difficult. And there isn't a course in running a business. 
Um, there's business management, but they're, they're always pitched at a very different level to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and I also think that they're very different. Like entrepreneurs are different. Like the way that I'm choosing to build my business, which is very much using my strengths and preferences, which is branding first, and that influences everything else that I do. And I follow my passion and my gut far more than I would ever be told to in a business management course. Like my second business was started because I was like, this sounds exciting. Let's do that. Whereas if it had been a business management course, it would have been, where's your business plan? Where's your financial plan? What are you going to do? Whereas now I'm just kind of like, no, this feels like it's going to be right. And I will lay that track as I go with the intention of knowing where I want it to kind of where the stops are in the future so where my milestones are in the future but how I get there I'm learning as I go and ebbing and flowing and the financial having that basic financial understanding whatever you choose as long as you have a way of approaching it and a structure to how you deal with your finances I think it gives you that flexibility to choose when you can invest in something else in someone else to support your business and when you actually need to keep, kind of keep hold of your money because you're, you're going a little bit a little bit mental this month <laughs> yeah totally and I think um, it will be good to I don't know for to for there to be some lessons around that about looking at these things but I feel like there should be um financial education in schools because I literally never had my mum's an accountant <laughs> I never really had any understanding of how to handle my personal finances because it was never something that you really talk about if you have the money you spend it if you don't have the money you don't and then there's always credit <laughs> absolutely if you don't have the money spend it anyway <laughs> yes not a good it depends on your mindset depends on your approach to it as well so yeah it's interesting yeah definitely was the going through this then with bootstrapping etc do you feel that there's have you got any regrets misquoting Robbie Williams there um no regrets um, was there an op- opportunity that got away <laughs> I can't actually remember what I put in our notes so this is going to be interesting so we'll see where this conversation <laughs> goes <laughs> Um, I think my biggest regrets, there were times when I threw away, I didn't throw away money, but I put money towards things that I maybe should have understood a little bit more. I think I suffered very much from trying to pay away my responsibilities. So in a certain aspect, so things like hiring an accountant without fully understanding what it was that they were doing, or I hired a coach once who I was really disappointed at the end of it, where I'm like, I don't actually understand what I've paid money for. I don't know what we've gone through so it's been a waste of time and money also trying to kind of outsource things that I was trying to do it from a space where I don't have the time for this but I'm not going to put the effort into making sure that someone else can do it effectively it's just kind of like I need you to pick this up and then not actually giving them the stuff that would be most effective so yeah there's definitely a lot around the financial side that I wish I had been a little bit more considered with and with who I chose to invest in and when and understanding what the ROI would be the return on investment I'm trying to think what else I mean there have been opportunities that I've missed along the way and a lot of the time I would say it's probably because I hadn't invested the time to set up effective processes and automation that would allow me to put the time into response so things like inquiries if I came at a very busy time particularly when I was working as well when I had like such a such a tight schedule and I was so tired (laughs) that dealing with additional inquiries I very much fell into that feast or famine where it's like when I had client work I would only do client work when I didn't have client work I would only be trying to get more client work 
Whereas you need to have that consistency so that you're paying attention to both throughout, so that you're not having that feast and famine. <laughs> Feeding the machine. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also automation helps you navigate those areas that you're not hugely confident with. So setting up automated invoice chases has taken so much pressure off of it because I don't have to worry about what I'm going to put in an email to say, I'm sorry, but you haven't actually paid me and you need to because it felt like a very awkward thing to try and write. So now I just have automated ones set up where it's like they haven't paid. I check out the email. I don't have to think about it. It takes me 10 seconds as opposed to the hours of agonizing before and after sending the email. So, yeah, as for big opportunities. Mm, I don't think so. I think that I'm pretty, yeah, I think it's more the everyday ones rather than the big ones, um, but they add up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They Each little thing adds up and it took me a while with going from having an office of um, three or four people to working remotely and having freelancers doing admin and doing different bookkeeping and different parts where you can't just pop over the office and talk to somebody. And say, no, do it this way. You've got to get that brief right in the first place. It is more difficult. But once you've got it and you understand how to systemize something, it becomes much, much easier. And you can fire off tasks here, there and everywhere to different people that you've never met before um, in a different country, potentially, and get things done quickly and efficiently. Absolutely. And I think like, particularly coming from the creative industry, I think that a lot of creatives suffer when they, because they will follow the same kind of path and mindset path that I went down, which is like, I love what I do. I love designing. I love creating. I'm going to do that for a living, forgetting that you have to do everything else that comes with it when you're running it for yourself. But because generally a lot of creators don't naturally lend themselves to, they don't find setting up systems and processes that interesting it can be quite challenging but actually that investment up front either of time or money whichever you choose could save you so much time and actually give you that freedom to do more of what you love as opposed to having to churn away with you know how to fill out a brief to your VA or whatever it is you need to be doing like that's not where your time is best spent no, totally. So the other side of that coin, what about your biggest success? What's the, over this four year journey, well, four year plus journey, what's the thing that really puts the biggest smile on your face? Um, oh my goodness. There's actually been so many. Leaving the job was a big one because I think at the time it felt like it was never going to happen. <laughs> I would also say there have been like accolades. I'm very much of a rewards driven person. I like being told that I'm doing a good job. So it's quite tough when you work on your own and you're the one that has to tell you that you're doing a good job so you know but I've been nominated for awards and been finalists in, in awards and things like that that's been wonderful um finally creating my own podcast that was something that I absolutely love it's done wonders for the way that I've learned how to communicate it's a I love to talk and finally I have an outlet that I can actually do something practical with and I've met so many glorious business owners from that and it actually sparked this latest business that I'm launching as well which is another thing that I can't stop smiling about because it's just so fun and I think coming out of such a dark period across like from a financial point of view and from feeling very lost from having to leave the job to hitting the pandemic to having quite a difficult financial year and to be coming through it now where it's like 
everything I'm doing just fills me with so much excitement. Like I'm so excited for what I get to do every day. And I only ever had small snippets of that when I was in the corporate world. Whereas with my business, it massively outweighs the point where it's like, oh, things aren't quite going the way that I want. And I'm a firm believer that when it comes to success, again, it's the same as we were talking about um earlier but the flip side to it it's like if you can find success and treat everything you do as a success like I successfully took a shower this morning like fill your day with those little successes then you will feel successful which then just breeds more of that within your world and yeah that's the mentality that I try and cling to I mean don't get me wrong there have been times where I've been sat there crying on the kitchen floor because I don't know I can't find the right word or the right color or I've had a difficult client experience or whatever it might be or I don't know where the next you know money's coming from or the rest of it but Overall, finding those everyday successes has been the biggest game changer for me because it's allowed me to embody the person that I want to be and kind of move one step closer to being that, you know, multi-million pound business owner who flies to space on the weekends. Yeah, um, that that success mindset um, makes me think of the book I'm reading at the moment, um, Solve for Happy, written written by a guy called Mo Gordat, who was... Uh, I think he was one of the founders of Google. He was certainly he was certainly up there in the early days of Google. He lost his son in a medical accident, tragedy, however you term it, and then he's turned around and written a book on happiness. And it is that picking out the the good things in life every day. So as you say, you know, pick out the success things, pick out the things that make you happy, rather than concentrating on the negatives. And it's hard to do. It's a hard practice to get into. It took me a long time. It's taken me four years to get to the point now where I find something that I enjoy every day. And even then, you know, we all have ups and downs within business. But yeah, trying to focus on the things that are the, are the, the joyful bits, it does make a difference. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So how about the future then? Looking forward, is it Captain Space? 10 years time? Are we going <laughs> to moon base? Moonbase cat. <laughs> um, oh, honestly, Paul, I've got so many plans and schemes. I'm such a dreamer and I don't know if you can relate to this or if any of the listeners can, but I swear that I have a new business idea like every hour or every week or every day. And then it's just trying to find the ones that uh the right time, the right opportunity and, you know, actually feasible. Um, although I'm a firm believer that like any business idea is worth pursuing if it's the right time for you like I have a product that will help you shape sushi into little cat shapes and it's like if someone can create that and have a thriving business from it because there are consumers like me in the world who are like I need that more than anything then any business idea is worth considering when it comes to my businesses specifically um so shadow cat is still going from strength to strength and I'm really enjoying that as a brand consultancy and I'd love to see how that evolves in the future although I always see that as being my personal brand so it's going to be limiting because there's only one of me unless we branch out into cloning but with podcasts podcast media which is the podcasting and streaming agency like the plans for that and the way that we're we're at the very early stages but the way that I want it 
to scale and some of the ideas that I've got that I'm not going to divulge on this podcast because I haven't fully thought them through just yet. You have to invite me back to go through those. Yeah, it's really exciting to be able to build a business with innovation at the forefront. So I'm trying to find the things that aren't being done to see how I can make them happen. Maybe cats in space, who knows? Probably not my cats. Like they're literally the epitome of house cats. So I think space might be a bit too far for them. (laughs) And to be honest, I think cats probably couldn't be bothered. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There have been cats in space though. I'm fairly certain there have been cats in space. But yeah, I think this business, podcasts is such a different beast to having a personal brand because it's being built as an agency. And I absolutely want it to be a space where, like I said, innovation in the forefront, but also community. Because I feel like the world of small business is just kind of exploding or independent businesses are popping up everywhere because people have got a taste for it now that they've been working at home for so long. And I really want to be able to help hold that space so that anyone can have a voice. Anyone can have, who's got something to say can be heard rather than just being kind of included in the doom scrolling of social media where you're just kind of sat there not absorbing any content. I feel like podcasting and streaming and, and that connection where you're actually talking with someone is definitely the future of where we're building our marketing and our communication and that community and authenticity. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm really getting into spoken voice. I've been listening to podcasts for quite a few years and finally taken the plunge to actually make one. Right. Thanks to you. <laughs> But also, you know, the the rise of Clubhouse coming through and now there's another one green room uh, that I haven't checked out yet. But the whole spoken voice thing, it does demand much more attention than just seeing some images flashing through on Instagram or on Facebook. So, yeah, definitely the future. So starting to wrap up, if I was to throw a million pounds into your business account today firstly how many tins of cat food does that buy or (laughs) would you do something else with it um so I would have to check with the feline overlords first but no it's a really good question because I think if I found a million pound in my bank account anyway I would probably a be super suspicious and then b probably put it towards the business as much as I possibly could anyway but I think it would be more around again it's kind of funding some of those it would give me the freedom to experiment and pursue some ideas around the business that I may not be able to do otherwise which sounds really vague things like being able to fund additional support in very specific areas so that I can improve how the business is running and the people that I have on board and the services that we offer so that we can make it easier for our clients to then grab onto these things that they're not fully able to do at the moment so education would probably go through the roof I think anything to free up my time (laughs) anything to free up my time would be good and one hell of a Christmas party like you know double digit Prosecco (laughs) are you going to bring your clients to that because that sounds good (laughs) uh yeah probably just over zoom though because uh you know I mean it depends on where they are in the world I guess (laughs) that's fair yes who knows where it would be in the world But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? And like, there's no reason why my business, why this business can't scale to be global because podcasting is a global thing and bringing communities together through the power of the internet when it works is glorious. So yeah, I think I'd definitely put a big chunk in towards innovation and actually potentially getting a couple of employees, be a proper business owner with employees. (laughs) 
Tammy, thank you very, very much for joining us. And with so much going on, I think we've I've taken quite enough of your time uh, up today. What's the best way for listeners to reach out to you? What's your preferred medium? I rock up on Clubhouse fairly frequently, which is at Tammy Heels. But if you are just looking casually to find more of me, my voice and my face, I would probably say either LinkedIn, uh, Tammy Heels, come and connect with me or on Instagram, which is at Podcasts Media. So like podcasts, but spelled wrong because I find it funny. And also on the website, which is www.podcastmedia.com. Thank you so much i've had such a blast these have been really interesting questions to answer thank you thank you for giving us your time because it has been a really fascinating conversation and 99 percent of it has been completely unscripted because we just went off on tangents which is far more interesting yeah absolutely i mean tangents <laughs> tangents if you will uh i definitely like my forte <laughs> Brilliant. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Tammy, for joining us. All Tammy's links will be in the show notes at acorn.finance slash podcasts. Podcasts spelt correctly in this instance. Yes. Oh, yeah, I have a podcast. I never plugged that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us who where the podcast is. Oh, so the podcast is called The Brand Lounge, um, and I release two episodes every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays with fellow business owners talking all things brand, marketing, and business. And, yeah, come and find us in The Brand Lounge on iTunes, Spotify, all that jazz. Fantastic. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please subscribe to get more episodes like us and if you feel so obliged please give us a review because it does help other people to find us and as a new podcast that would be fantastic thank you for joining us thank you tammy and we'll be back in two weeks time